Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you about Hassle Cattle Company, the Wagyu Beef, the damn good beef company that delivers Wagyu straight to your door. Fourth generation cattle farm out of Texas, and they've got all those great beef products you guys know about. Their Hamburger One Food Network's Northeast Burger Jam. They've got those delicious steaks, very well marbled. Right now, also, we just added Hassle Cattle Company beef to the DNVR bar. That's right. You come in. You want to check them out. You want to know what all the fuss is about. Come in and order the Wagyu Beef Burger, and you could try it yourself at the DNVR bar next time you come in. But order online right now. They'll deliver straight to your door. You can mix and match different products. Uh, you know, get some sausages, get some uh, uh, bacon, steaks, everything. Figure out what you want, and then order using the promo code DNVR10 for 10% off your order. That's DNVR10 for 10% off at HassleCattleCompany.com. What is up, everybody, and welcome into the DNVR Nuggets podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Download it now, use promo code DNVR when you do, and then tune into the pregame shows, which take place 30 minutes before tip-off every Nuggets game, live on our YouTube channel, because we give you some winners. And I'm telling you, Dev, is he's so good. He's shockingly good at sports gambling. It's kind of crazy. Today's episode, going to be a notebook edition. going to walk you through some of the details. It was a very um, information-rich game against the Memphis Grizzlies. I feel like it was a more important than most games because of some of the things that happened. And I think the next week or so of Nuggets basketball, a lot of winnable games on the schedule. But at the same time, I think this is the moment when teams start to make adjustments to what they're seeing on the film in Denver and game planning and saying, okay, here's where we think you're weak. It certainly happened in this game, and that's why I think it's sort of uh, interesting. It'll probably be a little bit of a quicker episode. And then later on, I want to talk about some things I expect. Vulnerabilities. The Nuggets' vulnerabilities um, as we come down the home stretch and especially get into the playoffs. I'm going to talk about in the playoffs what I think teams are going to dare Denver to do and what they're going to have to do to sort of um, overcome those challenges. To get into it, though, if you're new to the show, you know, notebook episodes, it's just me solo. The rest of the gang will be back tomorrow. I do these ones where I do a deep dive getting into the film. I've watched this game now two times, plus a third time of watching the fourth and OT, so I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on a lot of the little details that were going on and just kind of want to walk you through things I'm seeing. These are all in chronological order, so they're not like most important first or anything like that. Just going through my notebook, actually opening up the notebook. Um, obviously, Will Barton had it going early. Um, and most of his points came off of punishing mistakes. And why this is important to me, why I put this down there is, you know, there is scoring when a team does everything right. And there is scoring when a team makes a mistake and they open up the door for you to kind of get an easy one. I thought Will Barton's points early on came from the latter. And this is no knock on him. He knocked down tough shots. You know, he got to the rim when guys screwed up pick and roll coverages or whatever, uh, offensive rebounds, attacking, like he gained a, he got a good confidence boost from that. But one of the things I start to do this time of year, especially as you start to think about, okay, how good can this team be? They're three and zero without Jamal Murray so far, smoke and mirrors, what's going on. One of the things I look at is how much are the positives for the team right now coming off of, you know, the defenses making a mistake, the other teams making a mistake, and how much not. Because in the playoffs, teams tend to make fewer mistakes. 
Teams tend to sharpen up, have game plans, study the film, days of rest, days of preparation. And it's like, okay, we know what things are really dangerous for us. And and so that's one of the things I look at. When Denver had to score in the half court in this game with there was not a mistake, meaning when a team just, you know, maybe they fall behind because of, you know, a great post move or a great pass or great pick and roll or whatever, that's different from, oh, a guy didn't rotate out of his spot or a guy, there's a cross match or whatever. And so when Denver had to go up against a set defense and when the defense did not make a... Um, a, a unique mistake or, or step outside the lines too much. I thought they actually really struggled. And that's one of the huge concerns. Now this wasn't a great shooting night for a lot of guys, some key guys, and that's part of it, but it, it's still something to kind of file away. Michael Porter needs to, this is a thing that'll come with time, but you know, he's got the list of things Michael Porter can kind of work on to be better. Um, it's pretty long. I don't expect him to be able to tackle all of his weaknesses in one off season. I don't think anybody should. Um, but kind of making a list of things. One of them is just finishing, finishing through contact better and not even finishing through contact. It's really more how to absorb contact when going to the rim and still finish. These are not shots where it's like, okay, a guy fouls you, but you got to get the ball up on the rim. These are more like a guy goes straight up verticality and you've got to meet him at the rim, make that contact and adjust your, your balance in midair and still finish. And those are things he can absolutely work on. And I suspect he will, uh, as he gets a little bit stronger. A lot of that has to do with just like lower body strength stuff. Um, I should probably do a podcast maybe soon about all the things that Michael Porter, because he's so freaking good, but there's still so many like holes in his game. And that's what's both encouraging, but also like, you know, how much can he get done in a short amount of time uh, kind of thing. Points off of turnovers just killed Denver in this game. It was actually comical. The first time you watch it live and it's like, okay, this was really bad. When you go back and rewatch it, it was like, I kept thinking, okay, here's where the mistakes die down. Like second quarter, um, they'll stop... I know it was really bad in the first, but they kind of cleaned it up. Like, no, really, second, third, fourth quarter, there were just so many mistakes in this game, like unnecessary, unforced turnovers. And I mentioned this on Locked on Nuggets podcast yesterday, but some of this, I think, is you put lineups out there that haven't played together, don't have chemistry, lineups out there that don't have enough floor spacing, you're going to get turnovers. Because sometimes turnovers are the result of a bad offensive process, a result of a bad offensive combination or combination of talents. And I think there was a lot of that. But even with that, there was bad, there was, it was like maybe 25% of Denver's turnovers were because of that. The other 75% were just off of horrible, horrible focus and just a bad sort of vibe. I thought this game had a bad vibe around it. It was really weird, a weird vibe around it. And, you know, the fact that Denver was managed to pull this one out is extremely encouraging, but you know, you have another bad vibe game on Wednesday against Portland and you're probably going to lose even though it's a back-to-back. Vladko getting in the game early remains just kind of a, a mystery. I think part of what happened, Denver gets off to that super hot start. Will Barton scores the first 13 points of the game for Denver. Funny enough, I do the Keeping It 1000 podcast with George Carl and he talks about how whenever Carmelo back in the day would really have a hot first quarter, he'd get nervous because he'd think, okay, the success from that corner didn't come off of good process. It came off of greatness from one player. And I think a little bit of this happened with Denver. Will Barton was scoring, and it wasn't that he was necessarily pressing. Like I said, defense making mistakes, he's feeling confident, match made in heaven. But when that stopped, when that faucet sort of turned off, I thought Denver didn't have a rhythm to fall back on. They should be able to. 
Denver is, should be good enough, and they should understand at this point, hey, give the ball to Jokic, something good will happen. Let's run our offense, let's trust it, something good will happen. But Denver didn't have a good process for the first six, seven minutes of this quarter. And so I think when Malone went to Vlatko, maybe that was always his plan, probably was. But I think one of the thoughts there is Vlatko is a guy that can run Jokic ball. He's not going to take shots he's not supposed to. He's not going to be in the wrong spot. And to a certain extent, that was true. You know, the ball did get popping a little bit more when he was in there. But unfortunately, uh, Memphis just absolutely caught fire in the the final four minutes or so of that quarter, and it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy how many shots they knocked down. They are a great three-point shooting team, but they hit some shots in that opening quarter that were just like, my goodness, these dudes are absolutely on fire. Michael Porter, one note I have on him and his three-pointer, he doesn't really hit deep threes, which I think is interesting. You know, you think about like the logo threes or Steph Curry or whatever. I don't think Michael Porter has hit a lot from not right on the three-point line. You know, he hits them from the elbows. It's not like he only hits corners or this or that. He hits a lot from the elbow, especially the le- or the left wing, uh, especially from that left above the break half of uh, of the wing area. He's he's on fire from there. But if he has to shoot it from a few feet back, it just doesn't seem like he's very good at that. He took a, one early in this game, and, and it just was short. It's almost like he shoots the same three-point shot no matter how far he is. Um, the Nuggets bench, I thought, looked fantastic in the second quarter. Early on, there was a really great rhythm to them. You know, that I've talked about this a lot, but that group can really defend. I think they had a 12-2 run to open up the second quarter. And it wasn't necessarily that their offense was dynamic or anything. Paul Millsap hit some good shots, got some things going. Jamichael Green had a couple shots that got some things going. But more than anything, it's just that their defense is so good, they got stop after stop after stop in the half court and then just turned that into transition, favorable basketball and knock down their shots, but their defense is great. They had unique lineups out there that had zero chemistry, but they just played so hard on D. The lineup that was really interesting, and they only did this for a few seconds, they had P.J. Dozier, Shaq Harrison, Vladko Chanchar, Aaron Gordon, Paul Millsap. Well, Aaron Gordon might be the team's best defender. Paul Millsap, one of the team's best defenders. Dozier and Shaq Harrison, elite defenders out on the perimeter. And then Vlatko Chanchar, a very good team sort of defender. That's a great defensive lineup. It only played for a couple minutes. But, you know, I wonder, it's, 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 it's wild to say, I wonder how much of Denver's identity in the playoffs and even just going forward is going to be a defensive one. You know, with Jokic, you're always going to try to get the ball popping and doing this or that. But you think when Jokic is not on the court, throw out some, you might, you don't know if points are going to come, but you could throw out some lineups that are really going to muddy up the game and, and, and lock down. And it just seemed, felt like every combination they threw out there had something. Interestingly enough, they had Michael Porter Jr. initiate the offense, bring the ball up the court, which they have not done a whole lot of, you know, he'll do it on a rebound, but in terms of like side out of bounds or whatever, let's have um, Michael Porter be the trigger on this. They haven't done that a lot. They also had Shaq Harrison and P.J. Dozier. And this is interesting because it shows you Michael Malone doesn't have great options. If Faku starts, Dozier is your lead initiator with the second unit. But past that, if Barton's not out on the court, who initiates the ball? Can you ever run actions that have different players? Shaq Harrison and P.J. probably not too familiar with that. But Michael Malone went to it, trusted it in this one, um, and it was interesting to see. That's one thing I'm going to really keep my eye on is do they get creative with who brings the ball up the court and who is the you know lead ball handler? And not necessarily for extended runs, but maybe do you try weird combinations for one-off, one-off possessions? Shaq Harrison has some real defensive chops to him. I'm, I'm really impressed with him. I think he should – I, I want to see more of him, I should say. I almost said I, he should play, but I really don't know that. I've only seen a few minutes of him. 
But I will say defensively, I really trust him. I think he just has a great ability to be a lockdown defender, and Denver might need that again. To, to beat a team like a Portland, a Utah, teams that Denver, when they had Murray, I think could have just outgunned because they were so good. But now that you look at it and say, okay, Denver's maybe not as dynamic, can they trust Jokic and Michael Porter to be so great on offense and then just trust all those other guys to lock down on defense and disrupt what Utah does? You know, that might be the ticket. And you have guys like Shaq Harrison that will really, um, you know, aid in that. Lastly, before we take our first break in that first half, P.J. Dozier tried a lob to Vlatko Chanchar. Think about that. He tried a lob to Vlatko Chanchar. P.J. Dozier is such an interesting player because he does he has like a good feel for the game for the most part. He does some things that I really like. And then every now and then he tries to throw a lob to Vlatko from half court. And you just think, what made you think that was a good idea? What, what, what was it that made you think, hey, Vlatko, get up for this one? <laughs> but he does that stuff sometimes. It's so crazy to me. Going to take a break to tell you about Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer partner of DNVR. You guys know all of the beers that they have, the Strawberry Sky, the Mountain Beach, which is my favorite. Both It's my favorite name of a beer, my favorite can that they have, and it's the favorite the, uh, tasting beer that they have, the Avalanche Amber Ale, the Vanilla Porter Jr., um, all kinds of great beers there. Of course, the Mile High Copper City, Copper City Lager, and then Boozies or Seltzers. They've got a bunch of different flavors there. We're going to have those at the bar as well, so you want to come in and sample. We've got eight Breckenridge Brewery beers on tap at the DNVR bar. We're also going to get the seltzers in, so you can try those out as well, um, whatever it is that you're feeling. Summertime, seltzers are summertime, man. Right now, a little cold, but a week from now, things are going to be nice and warm, nice and sunny. You're going to be thinking it's seltzer weather. So check that out. And if you want to find out where else, if you're not in Colorado, want to find Breckenridge Brewery to, t- uh, to try it out, see what the fuss is about, use the Breck Beer Locator. Just Google that and they'll be able to hook you up exactly, uh, let you know what liquor store or restaurant has them on draft. Also, I want to tell you about Gabby Insurance. When it comes to car and home insurance, you deserve better. Lots of members on our staff have put their policy to the test and turned to, turned to Gabby to find out how much they could save you on heart, on insurance. This home insurance, car insurance, you name it. Eric Weedham, he saved over $1.3,000 per year by switching to Gabby Insurance. Gabby is G-A-B-I. It literally stands for Get A Better Insurance. So you want to check them out. And like I said, they've got that awesome feature where you just put in your policy what things, you know, you're pay, how much you're paying for and what your coverage is. And then they'll tell you, here's our price. Is it better? Is it worse? Um, and there's no obligation. You know, they're not going to be robo-calling you and selling your information to a bunch of third parties. You just go in, put that information and find out, is this a better deal for me? And I, I bet you'll be surprised. It's been a better deal for everybody that we've sent this to. G-A-B-I.com slash DNVR. That's G-A-B-I.com slash DNVR. Back here on the DNVR Nuggets podcast, writing solo today as I walk you through my notebook notes. Um, Got the second half here of some notes that I want to talk to and then quick break. And then we're going to wrap up talking about the playoffs and and some of the things I want to learn about Denver before we get there. The Nuggets offense, I thought, started to get a little bit more creative um, in the second half. And when I say creative, one of the things that was really plaguing, I talked about this on the live show, the post, the, the winner's lounge, but one of the things that teams have did in this game specifically was just not guard Compazzo and not guard Aaron Gordon in that starting unit. And it wasn't that they just brought a double, although they did bring a lot of doubles, but they just put a lot of guys in the passing lanes and dared, hey, you throw a skip pass to Aaron Gordon, we'll live with that. You throw a skip pass to Compazzo, we'll live with that. So Denver had to get creative, and a couple things they did. One, they played Aaron Gordon in the dunker, 
not solely, you know, he actually was out in the corner, and I have this up on a, a, a clip for the list. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get it up by tomorrow night's game, but I promise you I have, like, a bunch of clips for there's going to be, like, a mega edition of the list before too long, hopefully by tomorrow. Um, but, you know, they they put him in the corner, and he's pretty useless. You put him in the dunker, I think that you have a, a really good chance of grabbing some offensive rebounds. If you actually look at the numbers, not just this year, but across the several years, of what makes Jokic lineups so dynamic on offense people i think would say oh it's three-point shooting or it's it's got to be this or that the thing that really tips it in the favor for denver is offensive rebounding and it's not because they're like you know moses malone style everybody crash the boards and just fight and fight and fight for boards what it is is you get the ball popping you spread the defense out you have guys positioned in the right spot and the defense is stretched so thin that they burst and there's opportunities to crash the boards and get rebounds having gordon in the corner does not stretch the defense. Having him in the dunker does. It doesn't stretch it as great as, say, having like Michael Porter you know, in the corner. But it does stretch him a little bit more. But more than anything, I think it's going to up the amount of times that Aaron Gordon can just grab rebounds, draw fouls, draw drop-off passes. So I think that in the second half, they played him in the dunker more, although not exclusively. And I wouldn't be surprised if, as they try to get him going, they place him down there like a traditional power forward and say, hey, Eat, eat offensive boards, be really aggressive down there. You can really succeed. They gave him some post touches as well, um, like design plays to get him the ball in the, in the post. They ran some what are called strong DHOs, meaning strong usually means two. So it's like a pin down in the corner. Only the first guy sets a screen, the second guy it's a handoff. Um, and then somebody in the corner runs off of both of those screens, the, the screen and then the handoff screen. They ran stuff like that for him. And then best of all, and I think I mentioned earlier, having different players enter the ball, this was the big one. Aaron Gordon bringing the ball up the court and entering the possession. You talk about, okay, gravity. You have Faku and you have Gordon off ball. or You have Faku with the ball and you have Aaron Gordon off, neither one being guarded. Well, I think if you swap that and try to use Faku as a secondary playmaker who can run in, you know, after you make your first action, and use Gordon as a screener or as a ball handler and an initiator or post-entry pass thrower, I think you naturally have a little bit more um, spacing on the court, at least initially. And I wonder if one way to sort of keep Aaron Gordon involved, you know, I, I thought as this game devolved for him, he was a spot-up shooter and not involved in a great way. I imagine he felt like he wasn't touching the ball enough, and when he was, it was not the types of things he wants to do. I wonder if giving putting the ball in his hands and trying to come up with a little bit more of a two-man game with him and Jokic, I know you don't think of that traditionally, but hey, you're short Monte Morris, you're short Jamal Murray, you got to get creative. I wouldn't be surprised if doing that, using Gordon as a little bit more of as a point forward in cer on certain possessions might be one of the answers. But more than anything, Faku has to make shots. I mean, they did not guard him. He was wide open, and there's just no alternative. You know, he did make one when it really mattered, and, and so you tip your hat to him there. But there's a lot of possessions where it just comes down to, hey, man, if they're not going to guard you. You got to you got to make enough to keep them honest. And um, you know, he's really got a lot of work to do in that regard. Um, the playoffs, I'm telling you, there are going to be games that come down to can Faku make wide open threes, and I I, I pray to God that he can. Uh, and, and Aaron Gordon too for a while. He had some of the shots he had were absolute confidence breakers. You know, wide open two, three plays in a row, and just can't knock it down. Not just the misses though, the runouts. I mean, Denver. Like I said, this was the weirdest game. Denver did so many things that typically would doom you 
Like, you can't win if you turn the ball over as much as they did. You can't win if you give up fast breaks, not just off of turnovers, but sometimes off of shots, and then it's over the top, nobody's back, wide open layup. Denver had so many runouts. It was absolutely crazy. Um, they did look a lot better with Dozier and Green in for Faku and AG. Um, I'm curious to see if they try that out more. I'm really curious to see, you know, if Faku continues to start. You know, Malone, I, actually, I'm not curious. Faku's going to start. Malone doesn't change. First of all, I don't think he's going to go away from Faku anyway. But if he were to, it would not be on a winning streak. And Denver is currently on a three-game winning streak. So probably going to stick with what happens. You know, tomorrow night, Damian Lillard is in town. You get Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum. It's going to be a heck of a a real test for Denver. We'll talk about that later. But Faku in particular, can he be effective against a MVP caliber player in Damian Lillard? That's a, a, a huge question. Um, I wouldn't fi- mind finding out one of the things I think Denver can do over this stretch is find out if Michael Porter Jr. can ISO a lot more than he currently does. He doesn't have a great handle. I don't think he has a great like bag, like a bunch of great moves, but he does have straight line moves. And he's sort of surprising in how he beats guys off the dribble because a lot of times he'll beat a guy off the dribble to the rim and it doesn't look like he actually made a move. But his legs are so long and he's just so athletic and bouncy that sometimes he beats guys just by virtue of being longer, taller, faster than them. And I, I wonder with some of these second units, and even some of the first units, if we're being honest, let him cook. See what happens if you just give him proper spacing and say, hey, he's probably going to shoot this one. Let's see if he can go one-on-one and get to his spots and elevate. Because one, I have a feeling he can do that. And two, I think Denver's going to need that in the playoffs. All right, the offense isn't working. They're not guarding Faku. They're not guarding Gordon. Keep him honest by doing this thing, and it's going to set up a counter for other things we want to do. Um, I will say, though, with Michael Porter, I'm, I'm just so impressed with him in so many different ways, but one of them is his ability to stay in the game even when he isn't touching the ball much. That first half, just the ball did not find him enough, and that there was a lot of reasons for this. Um, but it just didn't find him enough. And I hate that because we're, we're too far into the Michael Porter experience and there's too many guys out right now for you to say, Hey, why are we still sometimes not getting the ball to Porter? But what I like was when the ball did find him, even though it didn't find him a lot in the second half, when it did find him, he was ready. It's so hard to go minutes game clock minutes, long stretches of minutes without touching the ball or getting shooting opportunities. And then all of a sudden to get two or three in a row and stay ready for him. And he did such a great job of that. I have to really tip my hat to him. Um, you know, we talked a lot about the end of the game um, on the winner's lounge yesterday. So I'm, I'm just going to kind of briefly put in here that one of the things I really liked about it, and it's tough to ask any more of Jokic than you already do. But one of the things that worked for Denver was Jokic just said, hey, I got to score a bunch of points here and I'm going to have to sc- score him on double teams and I have to score him on contested shots. And he knocked him down. That's why he's the MVP candidate is he likes to do everything. He likes to rebound and pass and pick and roll and DHO and all that other stuff. But when push came to shove, he went down to the block. He went down to the three-point line. He went down to the elbow. He went wherever it was that he had to get to, and he made plays, a variety of scoring plays, and you just love to see it. I'm so curious to see what he scores on a points-per-game basis over these next few games because I kind of have a feeling that Jokic might be a 28, 29, 30-point-per-game scorer down the stretch here, in large part because they need him to be. Until Monte Morris gets back, which will alleviate a little bit of that playmaking pressure, I think at for a little while, teams are going to make adjustments that say, Jokic, I dare you to go for 40, 50 points, and I think he's capable of doing it, so I'm kind of excited to see it. Last break here, going to tell you about Manscaped. You guys, got Bush. 
You definitely do if you haven't tried the best products from our sponsor today, Manscaped. They've got life-changing products that make men's below-the-belt grooming as easy, as comfortable as ever, and it's going to leave you looking your best. There's a 20% discount also. That promo code DNVR at manscaped.com. You save 20% when you use that uh, when you use that promo code. And they've got lots of stuff, guys. It's not just for below-the-belt grooming. They've also got an incredible nose trimmer. They've got razors. They've got lotions. They've got powders. Everything that you want for men's grooming. It's like men's toiletries. Everything that you need. Manscaped is the place you want to go. They're tailored towards you. Technology pioneered by Manscaped. Revolutionary. All kinds of great stuff that they've got. They've even got the performance package. You get two free gifts. The travel bag as well. Uh, and high performance, reduced chafing, Manscaped boxers. That's right. They even have boxers. So get 20% off plus free shipping when you use promo code DNVR when you go to manscaped.com. Also going to tell you about DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, Masvidal and Usman. I think I'm saying that right. You guys can tell I'm a UFC guy. They put on a show the last time they stepped into the octagon. Round two is sure to pack a punch. DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC, is putting you in the center of the action this weekend's title fight with 26 to 1 odds on either title contender to reign victorious. 26 to 1. That's crazy. On either one. Clearly, those are great odds. Pick either main uh, event fighter to win during the UFC's UFC 261 title fight, and DraftKings Sportsbook will give you 26 to 1 odds. Just bet $5 on either fighter to win, and if you walk out with the belt, you win $130 in free bets. DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable. You can deposit with uh, and withdraw your funds at your convenience right there on the spot. None of this, it'll be six weeks, we have to ship around the globe, you know, offshore, whatever. No, this is legit. You want your money out? You got your money out. You want your money in? You got your money in. It's all above board. Great stuff from DraftKings. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to turn $5 into $130 in free bets if the title contender of your choice wins. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Got a new partner slash neighbor here at DNVR, Solace Meds. Make your cannabis shopping experience an absolute delight. They've got all of the great stuff that you want. Every product you want, you can head down to them. They're just a couple blocks east of us on Colfax, just a couple blocks east from the DNVR bar. You can also head to their website and view their menu, order online, and pick up at your convenience, which is great. This is the new thing. One of the good things to come out of COVID, online ordering. Just go through, make your order. You don't have to wait. Just go, boom, pick it up, get out in and out the door, and it's great. SolaceMeds.com, S-O-L-A-C-E, meds.com. You can purchase from there. And they've got this really cool promo going on right now. It's a new company, Jamaica Trip. Seven-night all-inclusive trip to paradise. You go into their bar, uh, and they've got four locations in Denver and a couple more Fort Collins, Wheat Ridge, uh, right off of Broadway. And then, of course, Colfax. When you go in, you let them know, hey, I want to sign up for that uh, new deal. And they're going to get you all set up, entered into the raffle for an all-inclusive seven-night trip to Jamaica. Really great deal. Don't forget, use promo code DNVR20 to save 20% off your entire purchase, whether you're ordering online or in person. No purchase necessary. Open to legal residents of Colorado, 21 or older, Oklahoma, 18 and older, and it ends at the end of this month. Official rules, go to solacemeds.com slash sweepstakes. Void where primitive. Last segment here, and now I want to talk about some vulnerabilities for the Denver Nuggets and things that I think they want to work out. And the first one I talked about extensively in here 
you know, just not guarding Facundo Campazzo, Aaron Gordon, PJ Dozier, even, you know, Denver's starting to Shaq Harrison. They're starting to have a large number of players that just don't need to be guarded. Or if you get into a playoff series that teams might say, we dare you, I dare you to tell Shaq Harrison to take five threes a game. Maybe he'll make them, but maybe he won't. And if he doesn't make two or three in a row, do you, how does a team respond? This is more or less what happened with Aaron Gordon in this one. Would Aaron Gordon likely have hit one or two threes if he was given three or four more chances? Probably. But when you go 0 for 3, 0 for 4, you don't get a fifth or sixth chance. And and that's one of the, you know, one of the gambles that you play. So I'm really curious to see, do teams not guard them? And if so, how does Michael Malone and his staff account for that? Do they just say, hey, we trust you, let it fly? Or do they try to get creative in other ways that maybe move them in different spots? I think it's a bigger challenge for Michael Malone it's one of the biggest challenges for Michael Malone. I know it's reductive to say, hey, if guys make shots, you win. That's true of all, all players. But with when you have players that are less reliable on a game-to-game basis, how do you? what do you do to kind of use them in a way that doesn't allow the defense to cheat, just to cheat off of them? I think another one is guard play. This way, the Portland game is going to be so interesting. You know, Portland's on a little bit of a tailspin, but they've been out without Damian Lillard for a few games here. He will be back. They they lost tonight in painful fashion, by the way, to the Clippers. Would have been great had they got that one for Denver because if you beat the Clippers, Denver would have tied them in the the Clippers in the loss column, and and you know that would have been huge. It was announced today that Kawhi Leonard will miss at least one week. Um, you know, I think it's just so important for Denver to keep winning one because they can get that three seed. And if you get the three seed, you probably match up with Dallas or Portland, which will be easier than the Lakers. But more than anything, Kawhi Leonard's out right now. You know, if the Clippers lose a game or two and Denver overtakes them, Kawhi Leonard comes back and all of a sudden he feels pressure to push himself. He's not healthy. Now he has to push himself to the end of the season because they don't want to match up with the Lakers in the first round. I think that'd be great. On the flip side, if you fall a few games behind the Clippers, maybe the Clippers look at it and say, ah, Denver's not catching us. We can afford to rest Kawhi a little bit more. We're not going to rush him back. And now he's fresh for the playoffs and this or that. So I think it's important for Denver to really keep the heat on uh, on the Clippers here. Um, but that being said, so, so Portland loses. A bummer. Really could have helped Denver if Portland would have won. But now they're a hungry team that needs to right the ship. They're kind of spiraling out of control. This is an important game. Damian Lillard still very much in the MVP conversation. So this game takes a little bit of a center stage as he returns from injury. How does Denver guard him and CJ McCollum? And uh, Norman Powell, to be honest, another sort of perimeter-oriented scorer. How does Denver contain that? Because they have defenders now inside. Jamichael Green, Paul Millsap, Aaron Gordon, of course. But on the perimeter... You've got guys like Shaq Harrison, P.J. Dozier, Facundo Campazzo, but you know maybe this is not exactly where. I'm just curious to see if those guys can go in and shut down John Morant. As much as I think Campazzo did a very good job on him down the stretch, he still went off. He still went crazy uh, and kind of did whatever he want for most of this game. Even in even down the stretch, he still got a lot of really good looks. Damian Lillard will be a tougher, albeit different type of cover. Uh, C.J. McCollum too, and I'm just curious to see how does Denver hand, handle that. If you look forward to the playoffs, I think the guys I worry about most for Denver, Donovan Mitchell first and foremost, I mean, he led him up last year. Damian Lillard, I think, and, and this is why it's good. You know, think about when Denver played the Portland Trailblazers two years ago, Gary Harris kind of locked up Damian, uh, Damian Lillard. He actually did a great job. Denver still lost that series. I know it was two years ago and everybody's two years older and this or that, but you know, Damian Lillard now not having a Gary Harris can shack uh, Harrison have that impact and PJ Dozier Compazzo. I don't know. We should get at least a little bit of an insight on that tomorrow. Um, Chris Paul, obviously he's always scary. Um, 
you know, just to go up against. He's so smart, so crafty, knows how to get to his spots. Devin Booker. Dennis Schroeder's another one that's on my list here. He's just so fast. Does Denver have a guy, you know, you're putting so much resources to stopping Anthony Davis and LeBron James. What about Schroeder? Can he, is he a guy that gives you problems? Mike Conley. So there's a lot of guards out West that Denver could match up with in, in a playoff series that um, would concern you. And I think that's one area that's sort of vulnerable for Denver. Three-point shooting is, is another one. So I mentioned Faku, Gordon, Dozier, Shaq Harrison, the guys that, you know, you don't count on as your three-point shooters. But what about the guys you do? You know, before you have Jamal Murray, Michael Porter, Jokic, like, okay, th- that three guys, your main guys, that's awesome. You take away Jamal Murray. Now you're talking about Monte Morris, Will Barton, Jamichael Green, Paul Millsap. Those guys have been good three-point shooters, especially over the last couple of years. But what happens in a playoff series if those guys do Is it that unfathomable that Jamichael Green could have a two- or three-game cold streak or Paul Millsap or Monte Morris? No, because they're not the type of guys that you expect to take and make you know, 15, 16 three-pointers over the course of two or three games. But in a playoff series, they might have to. And so even your good three-point shooters, not named Porter and Jokic, start to give you a little bit of concern. Um, number four on my list here, ball handling gives me gives me some concern. With Jamal Murray out and currently with Monte Morris out, although he obviously returns, you've got Compazzo, you've got Dozier, you've got Barton, three ball handlers. They all have weaknesses, though. You know, Faku can't shoot, so he can't run too many pick-and-rolls with him. Teams just start going un- under the screen. Same goes for Dozier. With Barton, you can, but he's not a traditional point guard. You know, he can't. He, you don't want him being like a high-volume pick-and-roll point guard type player. And then past that, you don't have a whole lot. Whereas before, if you've got uh, Jamal Murray in the mix, all of a sudden, all these other guys become secondary. Uh, now they be, they all move up one step in the pecking order, and I just wonder, is that enough ball handling? Is that dynamic enough of, of ball handling? And that leads to the last one, which is clutch play. And we saw this Denver one-for-one one on great clutch play with Will Barton and Nikola Jokic, so there's something very encouraging about that, especially against a Memphis team that's very good, even though they're young. But, you know, what's that going to look like? I suspect in Denver's final 15 games, they'll probably play at least four or five games that will come down to the wire. Not every game's going to be a blowout in one direction or the other. They'll probably play some tough ones, and hopefully, to be honest with you, they play a lot of tough ones because I think Denver is a team that you get more and more experience from that and you succeed. You get more and more confidence to be in close games. Playoff games are going to be close. Denver's not going to win a lot of playoff games, in my opinion, by 20, 25 points. They're most, if not all, are going to come down to the wire, and Denver, with the Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic two-man game, supremely confident. Without it, I just don't know. I trust Jokic to be clutch. He was clutch in this one. But who else and what is the style and identity that you can forge over that period of time that gives you confidence? Those are the things I'm curious to find out. Hope you enjoyed the show today, guys. Thanks so much for checking it out. Don't forget, we'll be back in the pregame lounge 30 minutes before tip-off and the postgame lounge. Both things live on our YouTube channel. Head on over there. Check them out. We'll see you all then. Before you get out of here, I want to remind you about the Colorado Exos. Rugby Town USA is excited to introduce you to our new rugby venture and team, the Colorado Exos. Exos are athletes who have competed at the highest level of their respective sport who are now being cross-trained to swap over to being rugby players. Guys that have been coming from football, basketball, baseball, wrestling, soccer, track and field, they all possess the necessary skills to excel at the game of rugby. By placing these former athletes in full-time rugby training environment, Rugby Town USA hopes to expedite their development and inject the United States national team with elite talent to help compete on the global stage and ultimately win the Rugby World Cup. 
We've even got Colton Strickler doing a podcast here with DNVR, and he's got all the information. He's plugged in with the team. He does everything. He's the guy. He's the guy for rugby information and information about the Colorado XOs. And that's the DNVR Rugby Podcast. He's got Rugby 101 stuff here about the U.S. He's got all kinds of great stuff. And then even swag and ticket giveaways with his podcast. So check him out. 